0: Hello everyone out there. This is Peter Harris from Commercial Property Advisors, author of the book, Commercial Real Estate Investing for Dummies, and coach and mentor to many commercial real estate investors all across this great nation of ours. The title and subject of today's podcast is how one of our students went from zero apartment units to 314 apartment units in one year. How did she do that? She went from uh, day one with her seven unit property and then she purchased her 66 unit property and then she purchased her 241 unit apartment building. How did she do that? Well, what I'm going to share with you is how did she find her deals And they were all off market. Number two, how did she raise the down payment? She had to come to the table with with over four million dollars. How did she do that? Well, What made her deal so attractive that investors were eager to put their money into her deals? We're going to go over why her deals were so attractive. Number four, this is my favorite part. How is she managing the three deals? She's a beginner. She went from zero to 314 units with virtually no experience in management. So one of the great parts of our company is we help students purchase their commercial property, but we also teach them how to manage it, how to manage the manager, how to manage the money, how to manage the marketing, and how to manage the maintenance. All four pillars of successful commercial estate properties. We help them do that. And then number five, you know, since she is kind of a beginner, did she bite off more than she can chew? In one year, 314 units, the answer is no if you scale your business properly. So we will share that also uh, with you in in her short video interview. So let's go to her interview now. And when we come back, I'm going to lay out for you the, the structure that she used to go from zero to 314 units in one year. Let's go there. Hello, everyone. This is Peter Harris, and I have another special guest for you. She's back by popular demand, Allison. So welcome, Allison, back to the show. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, you're back because everyone out there in-house, in our student population, the internet world wants to know, did you close in your second deal? And what's happening with the first one? How did you raise all the money? What's the process yeah. on that? How are you managing all this? So that's what today is about. So we won't keep it long. Again, I just want to say thank you for sharing your, your journey with us, okay? Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. All
0: right. all right, so could we just jump right in here? So the, the day you joined us, it took you six months of looking for deals until you found your first deal was a seven unit, right? Mm-hmm. You close on that and you worked on that. And then four months later, so total 10 months, your second deal came along and that was mm-hmm. your 66 units for $5 million, right? Mm-hmm. And then the third deal came along at around the, what, 12 month point. So you whole, a whole year. You close on that 241 units. So in one year, you went from zero to 314 units. Right? The audience wants to know how did you do it. So could we start off with the subject of how did you find uh, the deals? First off, first and foremost.
1: Sure. No. So I found the deals all, all, every single one of them through proprietary methods that you taught through your program. But I think the biggest thing about those methods is that they were off market. And so what that means is that. There wasn't a broker on my end, there wasn't a broker on the seller's end. We literally just kind of communicated together directly and were able to come to an agreement that they wanted to sell their properties, I wanted to buy them. We went through the contracts together and then kind of went into kind of contract and due diligence and escrow from there. I think one of the big benefits of that is that whenever you can go directly to the seller, it allows you to be able to understand their motivations better. And when you understand their motivations, you're able to not just try to structure the deal and structure the way that you engage with them based on their motivations, but you're also able to build on your relationship with them over time, such that if some surprise happens, which every single one of the deals that I had had surprises in the process of closing, uh, you have that relationship with the seller. You can reach out to them. You can say, hey, we need an extension. Hey, this isn't working or that isn't working. Um, We're going to need to change the price because we found all these surprises in the inspection. You can have those conversations in a more effective way when you have that direct relationship and when you know those seller motivations. So, a lot of benefits that came from
0: the deals off market. Okay, great. And so, but in this particular case, on your sixty-six unit. And on your 241 unit, by the way, your your 66 unit was $5 million purchase price. Mm-hmm. And your second, your second one was the 241 unit. That one was 18 million, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same right. seller, same seller, right? Same right. seller. So what was his motivation?
1: So his big thing is he's more of a flipper in terms of the type of investor that he is. So he mm-hmm. buys properties that are... Deep, deep value add. So 70, 80% vacant, you know, lots of work that needs to be done. And then he goes in, he fixes them up. He leases out a lot of the units. And then before they're fully stabilized, so he doesn't really do a lot of the property management stuff to get units into a good place and tenants into a good cadence of renewals. He sells them. And so he had recently bought several properties, several new properties um, back in twenty twenty. And so he had a 1031 exchange. He was trying to do a reverse exchange because he bought some properties. He needed to sell a few things in his portfolio in order to get the tax benefits. So he had a little bit of a ticking time bomb on him. And and that kind of played in our favor in a lot of ways because we were able to one, come in and help him have someone that can purchase the properties um, and then two,
0: help him close within the timeline that he needed to. That's great. That's great. All right. Thanks for sharing that, Allison. Now for the most important question. And that is, everybody wants to know, how did you raise all of this money to purchase these uh, two large deals? So the $5 million deal, you had to raise about 2.2 million. And then on your $18 million deal, you have to raise about 4.2 million. So almost $7 million did you have to raise to take down these two deals. So can you walk us through the process of, of doing that?
1: Sure. So I think as with most people in commercial, I think most people are looking for the one or two investors that can write the big check and write you a $2.2 million check or a $4.2 million check and just close your raise on day one. And unfortunately, I didn't have that investor. And we did go out, we talked to myself and my partners, we talked to a number of you know, hedge funds and private capital funds and family offices and all sorts of different groups. But the reality when you're a beginner is that you don't have a track record. Um, you don't have a history of you know closing deals, managing deals, returning stuff to investors. So for us, what we ended up having to do for both the, the 2.2 million raise and the 4.2 million raise is go to friends and family. and then eventually that turns into friends of friends and family and friends of those friends. And so we just had to go out to a lot of different people, share the deal with investment clubs, share the deals with some smaller capital shops, And then just let people know what we were trying to do, let people know why we believed in the deal, uh, why we felt like we had something really awesome. I mean, these deals were bought well below market because of the direct relationship we had with the seller and the lack of broker's fees and everything else. So it had a great price. It had great returns. It had a lot of really wonderful things to both the smaller deal, the 66 unit and the larger deal, the 241 unit. And so because the deals were so strong, we just had to tell our story and share it with a lot of people. So I think for the first deal, the 66 units, there was probably three or 400 phone calls and outreaches that I did, which resulted in about 120 investors on that deal. For the larger deal, it was a larger raise. I think I ended up on 800 to 900 calls on that one. And we ended up with you know over 200 investors in that deal. So just a lot of sweat equity that we had to put into it, a lot of conversations, really helping people understand what we were doing. And then I think ultimately that it turned us into better
0: investors because of it. So Allison, what what made your deal so attractive that, you know, the people that you called, I mean, you're a beginner, you have uh, virtually no track record. And what made your deal so attractive that they said yes, and then we'll invest millions of dollars with you. So what made your deal so attractive yeah. or, or your team so attractive?
1: Sure. Um, So I would say a big part of it was the team. So uh, we had just a fantastic team where one of my partners has been a long time, you know, property manager, asset manager in the Houston area, a couple other partners, you know, have deep experience in other industries where they've invested and they've had success. And then my own background kind of helped a lot with it, that I'm going, that I'm let people know I'm going full-time on this. This is what I do. Um, you know, this is the things I've done in the past. I mean, I've had all these career successes and I'm going to put just as much hard work into this deal. And I think ensuring investors that our team is 100% all in and committed to the success of these deals was a big part of investors feeling comfortable (laughs) with parting with their money, knowing that it's going to people who are going to stay up late into the night, work weekends, do whatever is needed. To ensure that their investment is secure and performing well So i'd say that's probably one of the biggest things was the team and then beyond that it was the deal itself so we bought below market And so our price was really strong on the deal uh, we got really favorable lending terms so we were able to secure a very good loan that allowed us particularly on the 240 units have a really high loan to value which meant that the equity people were putting in was much more valuable and so that made it so that the returns were really strong. I don't think I can share the IRR and all that, but but very very strong returns that the deal had. And then just the location. So the deal is located in a market that's growing, that has a lot happening from an economic standpoint, even in the midst of the pandemic and everything happening with COVID. A lot of people are moving into this market to get more space because of the attraction to the jobs that are here, and just a number of things made it so that the market dynamics are really strong with the deal. So when you have a deal that is priced well in a good market, uh, that also has a really like dedicated team associated with it, uh, it just makes for the trifecta that uh, that made a lot of investors feel comfortable. great.
0: And and your rents were also under market, right? Yes. The rents
1: were under market. So these are these are both all the deals that I've done actually were value add deals. So plays where we could go in, we could renovate units, we could add carports, we could do a number of different things and pull a number of levers in order to generate more returns or more income, as well as things like allocating back utilities where we could reduce our expenses. So a lot of different ways in which we could expand our net operating
0: income and make the properties more valuable. So do that forced appreciation over time. Right. Right. Okay. So thanks for sharing that. So you went from zero to 314 units in, in exactly like 12 months, right? Yes. It was, months. <laughs> it was kind of and, crazy to see uh, you my renewals
1: on my website coming to 20-year
0: point. From day one, you told me, Peter, I am uh, burning a bridge. I am pushing the boat away. I am doing this full time. I am not going back to the corporate world. Yeah. So you're doing this full time. So talk to us about that. So now that you have these uh, 314 units under your belt, right? Mm-hmm. Your owners of, of each. So what's the day-to-day management look like for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I would, I will say I have third-party property managers for all of the properties, which I would highly recommend to anyone who's getting into it, not to self-manage because you're not going to have, the time to keep on acquiring deals and keep on doing things. Mm-hmm. So the deals are a little bit geographically spread out from each other. So I have a local property manager for the, what, the first deal that I did. And then I have a larger property management firm that actually is managing the two larger properties. So that firm has a you know, regional vice president that oversees strategy, and we have weekly calls with them. We have a property manager that's on the ground, we have leasing agents, we have maintenance staff. So we have a full team that's helping to make these properties not only perform well and get the returns from collections and from leasing, but that also is able to help us as we go in and do capital improvement projects. As we have contractors on the ground, as we're renovating units, as we're resurfacing roofs, doing a bunch of different things, having that team is really helpful. So that's like a big part in terms of the management of the properties. Myself and one of my partners do the asset management. So we meet with the property managers once a week. We're very heavy handed in terms of direction of this is how we want the property to run and making changes as we see fit if we don't see them being run the way they should be. And so that's like a big piece of what I do day to day is just making sure those properties are running well. And then another big piece of what I do is also looking at other deals. So turning the acquisition engine back on, underwriting deals, talking with brokers, talking with sellers, and just like continuing to build the portfolio. And so that's kind of my day to day. There's no typical day in the life of a real estate investor. I think on any given day, I could be walking around in a unit that was totally trashed out because someone you know got asked to leave and they didn't want to. And so they left it a mess. And so now we're trying to fix that. Or it could be sitting in an investor office and we're talking with the, the head of a family office and sharing with them what our business does and how we can help them. And so it's dramatically different from day to day in terms of what we do. It's very, very busy, but it's also very exciting. And it's like one of the most rewarding jobs you can have. A few weeks, a couple of weeks ago, actually, we had a ribbon cutting at Gulfwind, the 66 unit mm-hmm. where the Chamber of Commerce came out and we did the ribbon cuttings. So we had just finished a bunch of renovations and a bunch of things. And we decided to not just have it be something that was about the ownership, doing a ribbon cutting and look at all the stuff we did, but we decided to combine it with a resident appreciation night. So we have a beautiful pool there. So we had snacks and drinks and we had a slushy machine brought in. and we played resident bingo, where we created a bingo game where all the answers had to do with the property that's their home. And we didn't realize how many kids we had at the property, but suddenly like 30 children showed up from all these different apartment units. All these parents were there. Older people came out, their mm-hmm. chairs. And it was just an amazing night. We had this ribbon cutting and the residents got to like eat food and enjoy bingo. And as the kids won prizes, they're jumping up and down like, <laughs> yes, I won. <laughs> and it's just um, such an amazing feeling to know that as an owner, you're responsible for the homes of 314 people and 314 mm-hmm. families. And you have the ability to make those homes better. And so <laughs> sorry, I'm getting a little choked up, but um that's a big part of like my personal motivation is that yeah. um, is just being able to provide great homes for people, particularly with the type of properties that I buy, where they're class C, they workforce housing, our tenant bases, you know, people that work at McDonald's or at Walmart, they're not used to being treated with dignity and respect, particularly in their homes. Um, but to be able to give them those things is, um, yeah.
0: is really rewarding. It is, it is. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, w- one one final question is had a thought that some people may believe, Allison, that you bit off more than you can chew. Like uh, how can you go from zero to 314 units? So you have a uh, one person on this side that says, no, let's just do a seven unit. Uh, so an average person maybe would stop there and say that's enough. But you went on to do your 66 and then your 241 to total 314. What do you have to say to the person that, uh, to people that say you may have a bit of more than you can chew? And mm-hmm. how do you go from zero to seven to you know 66 to to 241? Did you in fact bite off more than you can chew? No, I
1: don't think so at all. I think the reality of scaling up like this is that the tools and the resources that you need are there for you if you're willing to admit that you can't do it all by yourself so getting the good property management help great contractors so i'm not doing it alone in many ways and i think if i was doing it alone that would absolutely be more than i can chew to self-manage 340 14 units by myself but i think part of scaling up is recognizing what you can do yourself what your time is best spent doing And then recognize when you need to get help, when you you need to get talented people on the team to help you make something a success. And so I think that's a big part of being able to scale up and continuing to scale. So the target for this year is to get to a thousand units. And so the only way I can do that is if I set up systems, I set up structures, I set up ways in which we can make sure that our current properties are performing well, doing what they need to do. And then I still have time to continue fundraising, to continue investing and doing due diligence on other deals. No. So I think the team is a really big part of it and then continuing to build that team out, continuing to say okay, it's time to hire an admin assistant, it's time to hire, you know, another asset manager onto the team that, you know, can do more of like kind of the day-to-day walking around to properties and stuff and then I step in when there's bigger issues. And so a lot of that building out of the team
0: is what allows you to be able to scale. All right, Allison. thank you so much for sharing today. And I'm sure everyone else will appreciate it as well. And um, so again, so thank you. I know you're very, very busy managing yes. 314 <laughs> units. So you to peel off part of your day. We really appreciate it, okay?
1: Absolutely, and thank you for everything you do. Like without your mentorship in this program, I would absolutely could not have gone from zero to 314 units in a year. I think your guidance and your counsel every step of the way has been so, so helpful. Um, so thank
0: you for what you do. You're welcome. We'll see you next time. Okay. All right. Sounds okay. good. Welcome back. Wasn't that a wonderful interview from Allison? Isn't she such an incredible person? Now you can see from, from her uh, you know, choking up and getting emotional when she talks about her tenants and how she wants to help them get their dignity back and help them get a a, a hand up. She doesn't mention all the other things that she does off hours helping her tenants and her property managers and her team become better. She doesn't talk about that. And uh, she told me yesterday she wanted to increase her portfolio count from 314 units to 1,000 and start her own property management company. I want to conclude here by sharing with you how Allison has scaled her business. And uh, I don't see how else you can scale your business without having a process so this is exactly what we taught her. This is what exactly we teach our students that want to scale their business through syndication. Alright, so let's get started. Here is the deal. You have to have a deal. Uh, without uh, finding these deals, you have nothing. So what's a good deal? Well, here's a good deal right here. The price of the deal, like Allison's, that must be priced under market. So you're getting uh, somewhat of a good deal. Uh, number two, you need to have the ability to raise the rent so that you can Uh, Raise the NOI and force the appreciation. That's the beauty of commercial. And lastly, your location must be good. No one's going to invest in your deal if you're in a bad location. Okay, so these are the three pillars of where to start that's a good deal. Next, you need to have a financial model. What's a financial model? A financial model is a spreadsheet that shows you how to calculate the deals, ROI, the investor ROI and your ROI. It's a complicated spreadsheet. We supply that to our students. The third one is your investor structure. What are you going to pay your investors when they put money into your deal? Here's her structure. These were not her exact numbers, but this is her structure. She's going to pay them an 8% preferred return. Preferred means they get paid first before any other partners. And then there's a 75-25 split for anything after that including cash flow and when she sells the property in five years. 75 to the investor, 25 to her and her team. Next is due diligence. So none of this works if you don't do a good job of due diligence. Due diligence on the physical parts of the property, the financial piece, of course, and the legal part. So that encompasses all of due diligence. And next is your team. Two components of the team to make sure you can execute all this is you need a really good property manager that's experienced in operating properties of this size and you need an experienced team. We're part of her team, but also she has persons on her team that have multi-family experience. So she's not doing this by herself. I wouldn't recommend that for for you either. So make sure you get someone on your team like us or someone with years and years and years of experience. Not five years, not six years, okay? I'm talking years and years of experience. Let's face it, person that's been in business for five years, they haven't been through enough. Next is an exit strategy. So this is the whole process of scaling your business. An exit strategy is so important. It is one of the least talked about things in this business. Look around the internet. Who talks about exit strategies? We do. Exit strategies are so important. It's the way you're going to get your money out to the investors and to yourself. It must be a clear, concise a plan on how to execute this whole strategy from concept to exiting the deal. Okay, that's the extra strategy. It must be very conservative and concise. And we help our students develop all of that. Next is you need to have a legal team. So to make all of this legal, raising capital from raising money from persons, it's a very legal thing. I have a video called real estate syndication. You can watch it where I break down more of the syndication stuff and what's required legally to do this. And then next is she had to raise the money. She raised, as you mentioned, about $4.4 million, I believe. Now, some of you said that she has a rich relative. But let me tell you this. If you have a rich relative, why are they rich? They are rich because they're smart and they make great business decisions and they just don't throw their money around everywhere. So, Allison had to make sure all of this was in place to convince this rich relative to invest with her. That's harder than anything else in the world, okay? So kudos to her for overcoming that huge obstacle of getting your relative to invest with you. The last part is to close the deal. So this is a key piece to get to closing. If you watch Allison's first video entitled "Beginner Closes Five Million Dollar Sixty Six Unit," you can see what she went through to close this deal. This whole process here. Okay, so I just share with you a process or systems that we have in place in our company to help our students. And I know it's a lot, but again, this is the way to do it.